we are in a study of the book of Hebrews. We've been here for a while. We are now in chapter 12, so if you got your Bibles, we'd really encourage you to turn there with us as we uh, continue on in that study. I did want to mention um, that, you know, typically if you've been around Desert Springs, you know this time of year we're often collecting candy for a fall festival. And maybe uh, you've noticed we haven't said anything about it. And the reason is we are not going to be doing our fall festival here at Halloween time. And the reason is that a year ago, as we were processing through, um, we thought we were going to be under construction. And that it was all going to be tore up. Uh, maybe you noticed it's not. Uh, yet it's coming right it's it's a big thing and uh, but in the midst of all that as uh, Sean uh, you know we're trying to how can we impact our community in an even greater way came up with the with the Christmas thing we wanted to put all of our energy into that so that's what we're going to be doing this year same thing we've, we've been very involved with the shoebox project with Samaritan's Purse and we won't be doing that but if you want to it's very easy to do you can go online there are other churches that will be collecting those and encourage you to do that but we really want to try to make a significant impact in these 150 families uh, at Christmas time because we think this gives us a great chance to, to really live Jesus and share Jesus with them. So I encourage you to do that. So if you've not been with us for our study of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews is written to a group of believers. They know Jesus as their Savior. They came up out of Judaism but some of them are drifting. Some of them are struggling because there's persecution that's going on. There's a, a desire on the parts of some thinking that life might be easier if they go back under the law. And so this book is written to encourage them to persevere, to push through, to don't drift, don't fall away, don't turn back. And how he's done it is he's put five major significant warning passages into this book and we are studying the last one part one was last week and you really pick it up here in verse 15 where he says this see to it that no one comes short of the grace of god that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled and that there be no immoral godless person like esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal the warning here is, see to it that you don't come short of the grace of God. Now, when he's talking about the grace of God, he's not talking about it in the sense of salvation. He's talking about it in the sense that we have this great high priest who loves us, who cares about us, who now, as we walk with him, is there to meet our very our every need in those moments of difficulty so as you're walking through difficulty don't turn your back on the lord don't walk away from the grace that he will give you in this moment because if you do there's a good chance that what will happen now in your heart is this root of bitterness you know, why is God allowing me to be persecuted? Why is God allowing this to happen? Maybe God doesn't love me. You know, all those lies and the enemy starts to whisper into our ear. And it begins to take root. And somehow the, it alienates us from God. And the problem with that is, is left unchecked where that often goes then, is it creates a hard heart in us. Like, And he uses the example of Esau, who basically sold all his rights away 
for the momentary pleasure of one meal. And his reminder is, listen, Jesus is there with grace for every moment. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. You turn your back upon him. You fall away from him. You allow this, this come short of his grace and leaning into him in the difficult times. This root of bitterness can start. And the problem is that can take over and give you a hard heart. You get a heart like Esau's and then you just you, you waste it all. You sell it all. Now he's going to dive deeper. That's why it was a two-parter. He's going to dive deeper into this, why you need to lean into this idea of grace. So we're going to pick it up reading in verse 18. We'll read through the end of the chapter. <clears throat> For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and to a blazing fire, and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind, and to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words which sound was such that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. For they could not bear the command, if even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. <coughs> Excuse me. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and myriads of angels and to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape whom they refused him when they when warned them on earth, much more will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more, and I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire." Don't fall short of his grace. Don't come short of it. In those moments of difficulty, don't turn your back on the Lord. Lean into him. Find his grace in those moments. Why? Because if you don't, there can be a hard heart or a, a bitterness, that root of bitterness, which can lead to a hard heart. And what he now does is contrast the difference between being under the law, which is Judaism, and the grace, which is Christ. And what he does is he paints this picture with these two mountains that were very well known by all the people in Judaism. One is Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was where Moses took the children of Israel once they came up out of Egypt. That's where they got the law. So that's Exodus. It's Exodus 20. It's the book of Deuteronomy. It's Leviticus. It's all there at Mount Sinai. And he contrasts that on the other side with grace. And grace is represented by Mount Zion or Jerusalem, but not the earthly one, the one that we're looking for, the heavenly Mount Zion. 
And so he's going to build this contrast of why would you go back here when you have this? In fact, he even starts with the negative. You have not come to Mount Sinai. And he begins to describe it. And Mount Sinai, that place where they received the law, his point is, that was not a good place. I mean, I, I know you weren't there, but you go back and read Scripture. That was not a good place. They didn't like being there. And he begins to describe it. And what he reminds them, if you've not come to, to a mountain that can be touched, right? Well, what does he mean by can be touched well the idea is is that mount sinai because god was coming down that if anybody touched the mountain they would die and so they had to set up all these boundaries exodus chapter 19 you shall set bounds for the people all around saying beware that you do not go up on the mountain or even touch the border of it for whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death can you imagine this is not a moment in time where in the middle of the night you you kind of uh, mistake where you are and you walk to the wrong place death it's not a fun place to be And then he talks about it. It's a mountain that burns with fire. Now, we would think of a volcano, but probably the idea is that the whole mountain seemed to be lit up on fire. In Exodus 19, it says, Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And his smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. Now, folks, let's be honest. If you and I were by a a mountain that looks like it's about ready to erupt it is full of fire it's quaking what are you doing you're running you're getting away danger is imminent that's mount sinai oh by the way the whole mountain quaked violently make a mental note we're going to come back to that in a few moments the third thing he says it's a place of Darkness of gloom of whirlwind Exodus 19 16 so it came about on the third day when it was morning that there was thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet so that all the people who were in the camp trembled this is not a fun place to be this was threatening this was this was a place of fear a place of terror this is that idea don't touch the mountain don't go up the mountain this is where the law came in now we read about a trumpet and we're thinking party right mariachi band you know we're gonna have a festival but that's not what the trumpet was it was a fearful trumpet sound again exodus 19 19 when the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder moses spoke and god answered him with thunder Mount Sinai, where the law was given, was a place of terror. It was a place of fear. It was a place where they faced for the first time the awesomeness of their God. Think of that last verse of this chapter. Our God is a consuming fire. This is where they come face to face. Then they know that they are are not worthy of that. Deuteronomy chapter 5 says, The Lord spoke to you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire while I was standing between the Lord and you at the time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid. That's Mount Sinai. It's not a place of love. It's not a place of warmth. It's not a place of acceptance. It's a place of fear. It's a place of trembling. In fact, did you notice 
The writer of Hebrews even says, at that moment, you begged that you would never hear the voice of God again. In fact, that's why you told Moses, Moses, you go up on the mountain, you talk with God, you come back, you tell us, we don't want to hear from them. The awesome voice of God was terrifying to them. And then he mentions this. Verse 21, and so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. Well, wait a minute. Moses was fearful? This was a troubling thing to Moses? Yeah. Remember, he got in the Ten Commandments. He goes down. The people had made the golden calf. And now Moses has got to go back up the mountain and meet God. He says, For I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure which the Lord was wrathful against you in order to destroy you. Moses said, I was even fearful to go into the presence of God. That's the law. There's no grace. There's no comfort. There's no mercy. It's a fearful thing. Now, on the other hand, though, you got Mount Zion. And that's where he picks it up here in in verse 22 but you have come so again you have not come you're not under the law even though you want to go back there that's not yours but you have come to mount zion to the city of the living god the heavenly jerusalem he gives it three names there mount zion the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So it's not the earthly Jerusalem, it's the heavenly Jerusalem. And by the way, this is the dwelling place where the living God now actually dwells. But guess what? He dwells with you. This is not fear and foreboding where he comes down and you can't touch the mountain. He actually invites you to the mountain where he lives. It reminds us of the writer of a of the, the book of revelation when we get to that final stage and it says and i saw the holy city new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god made ready as a bride adorned for her husband boy that's going to be the party the trumpets are going to blow and there's going to be no fear there man and we're having the marriage supper of the lamb and i heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the tabernacle of god is where up on a mountain that you can't touch the tabernacle of God is among men. And we will dwell, he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them. That's the heavenly Mount Zion. This is the heavenly Jerusalem. We are invited into relationship. This is the place you want to be. This is the dwelling place where everybody wants to be. In fact, he lists hmm, six different inhabitants of the heavenly Jerusalem. First of all, there's myriads of angels. Right? Angels have been a big part of the book of Hebrews. They're the ministers of God, the minister. In fact, we're going to see it again in chapter 13 to, to those who are the children of God. Well, they're there. By the way, do you know that you and I are actually going to judge angels? The scripture tells us. We're going to dwell with them. The, the second people there as he says this uh, and to the general assembly of and church of the firstborn who enrolled in heaven this is the called out ones he's talking about the church here and I love the fact that they're enrolled there because they're not all there yet some of them are still here I'm talking to you but we're all enrolled there so we're going to be there 
with the church. We just sang, we're going to sit there and sing and praise God with a thousand generations, right? People for the last 2,000 years who have served Jesus. We're going to get there and we're going to worship with them. The third one that's there is which he's already mentioned and to God the judge of all he's going to be there and then you got the spirits of righteous the righteous made perfect and I think what he's reflecting to is back to Hebrews chapter 11 all those people in the Old Testament who were under the law not under grace but they had lies of faith they were pleasing to God they were covered by they're going to be there verse 24 and to jesus the mediator of a new covenant that's where jesus is. i mean this is john 14 i'm going to prepare a place for you if i go i'll come back take you so that where i am there you will be also jesus is there the sixth thing that's there though is kind of interesting and to sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of abel and of course, the picture goes back to Hebrews 10, remember? You have a better high priest serving in a better covenant, the new covenant, in a better tabernacle, not one here made on he by hands on earth, but one in heaven with better blood. Because it's not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood, he went into that eternal heaven. And he sprinkled his blood. Atonement has been made. Kind of interesting thought that maybe throughout all of eternity, the blood will be there as a reminder to us that we live in the heavenly city of, of grace and not of law. He says it speaks better than the blood of Abel. When Abel's blood was shed, you know what it shouted? It shouted for justice. It shouted for, for, for law. Jesus' blood shouts for grace, for mercy. His whole point here is, folks, listen, grace is so far better than law. Why would you who have come to Mount Zion, why, why would you who, who have touched of his grace ever want to go back? Grace is so far better than law. The law is the law is cold. The law is terrifying. The law, by the way, the law, no one measures up. Do you remember what Paul said in Romans? He says, because by the works of the law, no flesh, not, not much flesh, or only a few, but no flesh will be justified in his sight. It's impossible. And what's amazing is how many people still think that, boy, to go to heaven, I've got to be a good person, I've got to do good things, I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, I've got to keep the Ten Commandments, and you're under the law. And the sad thing is, by the works of the law, no flesh is ever going to be justified. It was never designed to do that. It was always designed to be by grace. Back four verses later there in Romans chapter 3, Paul comes back and says this, but us being justified, made righteous as a gift by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's the heavenly Mount Zion. Do you see the difference? And his point is, why would you go back? Man, under law, no flesh could be justified at all. Why would you go back to a distance from God? You can't go see him. You can't have relationship instead of, of leaning into grace. And oh, by the way, 
the grace that is at the heart of this and i know i i, I going back to the idea of justification but that's really not the grace that he's talking about here because he's talking to christians the grace that he's really talking about is grace for today as a child of god as somebody who's been justified as somebody who's walking through difficult moments it's the grace today to persevere it's the grace that god will give me to walk through this hard time the grace today to to face the persecution and to still live jesus it's the grace that he talked about in hebrews chapter 4 therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in that time of need that's his whole point you're walking through hard stuff don't come short of god's grace lean into jesus don't turn away from him in this moment because that's where that root of bitterness that's where that hard heart begins to develop but you lean into jesus you know you have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities that we deal with you lean into jesus by faith you lean into his grace and i think what so many of you could testify to and i know that i can is in those moments that are so hard god just shows up in unique ways and the best way i don't know i remember back when uh, I was in that hospital in Cleveland, they life-flighted my wife there. She had had the massive stroke. We knew that had taken place. Kind of knew in my heart this wasn't going to get better. And I was walking those, those hallways in that hospital. And, and I, I wish I had a better way to describe this. But some of you, you've been there. You know this will make sense. It's just God in his presence sometimes just begins to reveal pieces of himself that you haven't touched before. His presence, his kindness, his love. It, it's just... So I told you a few weeks ago when we were in the end of Hebrews 11 and others, right? It doesn't always end in triumph. Sometimes it's tragedy, but in all of that, we can be people of faith. And I told you about my friend. He was a, been a pastor, and then he served with me in our association, worked with churches, and he, uh, he's been diagnosed with ALS. Well, this week, I was blessed to be able to, to actually call him, talk to him a bit. I got to be honest, I was a a little taken back because the disease has progressed farther than what I thought. And so he had his wife there and I was on speakerphone and she would, as he would try to talk, would kind of translate what he was trying to say because just it's getting to that point already. But they're leaning into Jesus. And the one thing that I heard that was crystal clear was God is good. God is good. And yeah, we're praying for we're praying for a miracle. We're praying that God will take this away, but and we don't know what he's going to do, but we're leaning into Jesus and God just in in those moments he is there to help in those times. And so this is his whole point. So don't reject the grace of Jesus as a believer 
Don't turn away from Jesus in the difficult time. Don't, don't, don't get mad and walk away. Lean into him with your, with your anger. Lean into him with your questions. Let God speak for himself. Don't turn back. And so he comes back to it in verse 25. See to it. It's the same way he started verse 15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. Verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we on earth, or much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. His point is simply this. If you've come short of the grace of God and you don't learn lean into Jesus and all that he has done and all that he's provided and all the ways that he showed up in your life, what you've got to understand is that as a loving Heavenly Father, there's going to be corrective discipline. He cares about you. He wants this to strengthen you, not to destroy you. And oh, by the way, you remember the context of this passage, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And so he uses the children of Israel as an example. They heard the voice of God. They were scared by it. But they refused. By the way, do you remember what the first thing God told them, you will have no other gods before me. And yet, even there in the wilderness, they worshipped other gods. And then he took them up, right? He delivered them out of the land of Egypt. He's now going to take them into this place of promise, this land of flows with milk and honey. It is their inheritance. And they rebelled. They would not go. The people were too big. And God said, okay, that's it then. We're going to go wander around in this wilderness for 40 years. And every one of you who's 20 years of age and older, you're going to die. And what I'm going to do is then I'm going to take your children into that land and they will experience the inheritance that you were supposed to have, but you rejected it. And oh, by the way, if you remember the story at that point, it kind of cut to their heart, kind of like Esau, but there wasn't repentance there was just, oh, then we need to go into the land. And Moses said, no, don't, God's not going with you. You're going you're, you're gonna to get whipped. They decided to go anyway, and they got whipped. They came short of the grace of God. That's the warning. That's the warning. See, they wanted to live for the comfort of the day. It seemed to be too risky. They didn't lean into the Lord. And so his point to us is this. You, you listen to the voice of the Lord. Whatever you're going through, don't turn away from his grace. Lean into Jesus. Let God meet you in that moment. He will bring you through, but don't turn away. Because the thing is, so often what we turn away to is the things of this world. Like, like Esau, who sold all his birthright for just one single meal. And for us, it's like, well, the comfort that this world offers us, and we're just going to kind of go that way. And what he reminds us of is, listen, all of this stuff is temporary. Live for what is eternal. Esau lived for what was temporary, one single meal, and he sold it all. The children of Israel lived for just this moment. Man, these people seem too big, right? Right? We're, we're afraid. And, and they lost it all. They lived in that rebellion. And his point is, listen, live for what's eternal. Verse 26, and his voice shook the earth then. Okay? 
Remember Mount Sinai? It's burning with fire, and it was shaken, right? There's, there's that earthquake. He said, okay, so it shook then. But listen, and now he quotes from Haggai, it's a minor prophet, chapter 2, verse 6. Yet once more, and I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. His point is this. God has told us that there's a future day coming when everything's going to be shaken and, and what is temporary is going to be gone and what is eternal is going to last. And that's the day that we're called to live for. And oh, by the way, question becomes in the last days when everything's going to be shaken when did the last days start well the last days theologically started with the death burial resurrection and ascension of jesus i would even argue this future shaking that haggai was talking about and projected started as jesus hung on the cross and cried out it is finished and dismissed his spirit guess what happened there was an earthquake the veil in the temple is written too. It happened again on Easter Sunday morning. There's an earthquake and the stone is rolled away. I think for these people that the author is talking to, there's also this, you want to go back under Judaism. You want to go back under, hey, there's a shaking coming. Oh, by the way, we think this was written in the mid-60s. In 66 AD, Israel rebelled against Rome and Titus the Roman emperor showed up in AD 70 and guess what he destroyed the city of Jerusalem because it was temporary and he destroyed the temple so this Levitical practice they couldn't even take place it couldn't be observed anymore the temple is gone there's a shaking that's taking place and it continues to look ahead today to the future when Jesus returns in fact, you get to the book of Revelation and you begin to look right before Jesus returns. So there's these judgments, these, you know, the seven seal judgments that turned into the seven trumpets that turned into the seven bowls. You get to the seventh bowl, the very last one before Jesus comes back to this earth. And this is what it says. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and there was a great earthquake such as has not been seen. I think it ties into Zechariah 14 when it says that on that day when Jesus returns and his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, there's going to be a great earthquake. The Mount of Olives is actually going to split in two. Half of it moved to the north, half of it to the south. There is a shaking coming and all that is temporary will be done away with and only that which is eternal that will last. And by the way, the shaking is finished. The shaking is finished. On that day when the new heavens and the new earth show up, Peter says this, but on that day the Lord will come like a thief in the night, or come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar. The elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The earth and its works will be burned up. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Folk, all the stuff of this life, all of its pleasure, all of its, what it says is important. It's just temporary. His whole point is, listen, you, you are part of grace. You are part of, of Mount Zion in heaven. 
Don't come short of the grace of God. Live for that day. Live for what's eternal. Don't sell it for a single meal. Don't sell it for that which is temporary today because it'll steal the, the blessings of tomorrow and it will steal your inheritance that is coming. And that's why he comes to verse 28. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Live for that day. Our future, what we're living for, why we're living on mission, that cannot be shaken. It is eternal. It's not going to go away. It is an inheritance that is undefiled that cannot be taken away. And so his whole point here is live in the grace that is Jesus. Now, i got to be honest with you. This has always been a peculiar verse to me. Because he's building this big thing, and then all of a sudden, and then he says, so let us show gratitude. And you kind of go, well, where did gratitude come from? So I, I, for study, I use the New American Standard. In my opinion, uh, if you want it in our language today in America, the most accurate to the original text, I think, is the New American Standard. And if you got something you think is better, we can have that discussion. But I think it's very adequate. But this is going to sound very arrogant. I do think they screwed up on this one. Because if you get into the Greek, the word that is translated gratitude is the word charis. You all know what that word is usually translated? Grace. In fact, every other time that it's used in the book of Hebrews, and it's used multiple times, it's always translated grace. I think that's the idea. I think the New King James actually has this one right. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. That's his whole point. Don't come short of the grace of God. Lean into Jesus no matter what you're going through. Lean into Jesus. Look to him for the help and the, that you need in that time of trouble. Let Jesus... Why? Because in the midst of all of this, this race that we run, whatever the struggle, whatever the hardship, whatever the persecution, God has got grace for that moment. He will be with you. He will let you touch depths of him. He will guide your steps. He will bring you out the other side. And oh, by the way, did you see what he said here? Which we may offer to God our service that it may be acceptable. Pleasing, the idea. Hmm, pleasing. What pleases God? Remember Hebrews 11? For without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what's pleasing to God? Faith. Well, how does that relate? Well, when you and I, in the midst of struggles, we lean into Jesus, what are we doing? We're acting in faith. Because we're going through difficulty. We're facing persecution. But instead of, of having a heart of not faith and trying to figure it out, we lean into Jesus that he will walk us through, that he will minister to us, that he will take care of us. We are walking in faith. And that's why that service is pleasing to the Lord. So not only is it pleasing, but that grace keeps us 
forming the root of bitterness and the hard heart. Look, I don't know what you might be going through today. I don't know what difficulty. You know, I don't, I don't even know what's going on in our country. I don't know if the day is going to come. I think it might. Or because if we name the name of Jesus, that we might truly face persecution. It might happen. What I do know is this. That Jesus is faithful every moment of every day to his children. And I don't know what you're walking through today or what you're facing, but what I want to encourage you is that you, you are a part of the heavenly Mount Zion if you know Jesus, the heavenly Jerusalem. And you have that great high priest who knows what you're walking through, and he's there to give you the grace, the strength, the wisdom, the encouragement that you need. Lean into Jesus. Mm-hmm.